Greetings and welcome everyone to the 89th episode, season two of the Chief Yuya podcast. And we are, of course, on part six of our Jezebel series. And I trust that you all are um, enjoying it and getting a good start with it uh, for your own studies on this very um, interesting, I think, spirit and character that so many have to deal with. So, um, you know, in our last session, we dealt with uh, the Jezebel character and more more so kind of just understanding more of um, the solipsistic nature and how communication and, and abstract thought comes into play. And for this session, I wanted to pull us, pull us back, I'll say, you know, to a degree, pull us back into some of the scriptural realities of this. Cause you know, ultimately we're talking about Jezebel and Ahab and, and, uh, obviously though, those characters, if you will, they come out of writings. So I wanted to provide a little bit of context, but more specifically, uh, speak about that Jezebel and Ahab energy and how it plays itself out in, in larger context, not just in terms of the individual action. You know, we've been looking at the personality traits and the character traits of those individuals, you know, who have that sort of energy. But I also wanted to take a look at some of the results of when that union comes together. When a Jezebel is there and an Ahab is there and they decide to come together and in particular when they make children and some of the effects of how that looks going forward, you know, what happens with those children and um, what kind of children do they do they create? You know, so I wanted to put some focus upon that because I know that um some of us have been victims of Ahab's. We have been victims of Jezebel. Uh, energy. It's not just people who we made it to. And also looking at it from a scriptural perspective, sometimes it's healthy because you may have a family member who is exhibiting that sort of energy and you yourself may not totally understand um, the basis. You may not understand that you've had some seasoned and wise elders in ancient times already break down to you. Hey, this is what this is going back from Eve from Eve going forward, you know, that this spirit has been present, this Ahab spirit has been present, and this is uh, the ultimate result of that. So we're going to look into some scriptures that you can lock in for those of you who actually take the time to study what's being taught to you, you know, because podcasts are not study. I know people or research. I've had people say that to me for well in my research, what is your research? Well, I listen to different podcasts. That's not research. <laughs> you know, so that's not research. You know, um, that's not even study. That's just listening. You know, so it's important that you study for your for yourself and gain um the important understanding that you're supposed to through proper research methods. Researching has is its own art unto itself studying is its own art and its own skill and not everyone is is um, proficient at it you know so it's an important skill to develop and not just assume that you know how to do it just because you can pull up a wikipedia page or do a quick google search or listen to a podcast whatever it goes much deeper than that so we're going to get into that but first we're going to get into our movie for this strong um 
we're going to get into our into our film. Our last film for Last Strong was Zen, and we watched it as a community, the Anu community. It seemed like everyone pretty much really liked Zen. Like I said, Zen, Zen is a life-changing movie if you know what you're looking for. It's a life-changing movie. You know, so many jewels were dropped in that movie, man. But the cinematography is just, oh, so beautiful. It just makes you want to travel to that region. You know, the way they shot that was so beautiful. So, you know, that was that was in, you know, and uh, I definitely I trust that uh, you all enjoyed it. But this this Strong's film or this podcast episode's film is Milarepa. And uh, Milarepa is uh, another another great film. And it's, you know, it's about the journey of a, of a teacher or what we would call a mystic. And you probably have noticed that um, throughout the, the themes is that there's been a uh, or at least the films. And there's been about, you know, a journey. People who have gone on a journey and um, on some levels have communed with um a knowledge that's been able, you know, allow them to be able to come into a, a more wonderful time in their life and, and, um, you know, get the demons of yesterday out, if you will. So Milarepa is, uh, is a film that, uh, like I said, I, I enjoy, I, you know, I film as someone going through the journey, but, you know, if, if you're not familiar with him, you know, he was a, a tantric, who came out of uh, Tibet And one thing you, you'll notice Or maybe you might have noticed Is that Tibet just grows Tibet just grows some of the most profound teachers You know, it's I don't know, something in the water <laughs> But Tibet has has this ability to really bring forth Some legendary, legendary mystics And he was also a poet as well But he was a, he was a thought leader And um you know, he had certain sort of ideas that helped people, I would say, um, to kind of balance themselves along the spiritual path and along the path that would bring to greater, greater peace. But, um, you know, the film covers a lot of things. You know, it's not just uh, one one way because it's, it's the life of an ordinary person and it gets into ideas around violence and revenge and you know, um, when you want to get back at somebody and how real that may be at times and, um, some of the errors that one may make as, you know, as they're, they're on the path towards transformation, you know, but, uh, Milarepa, he was someone in, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, you know, he lived around 1043 to 11, 1120, somewhere around there. Um, you know, but he's someone who is, uh, you know, definitely heralded, you know, for, for again, some of the theories that he was able to bring to the forefront, but also just, um, I guess there was a, I, I could say, um, there was sort of a, an experiencing of being isolated for so long. That there was a value shown in that ability to be able to purify yourself from your past karma, you know, by your ability to somewhat live a hard life, if you will, you know, um, yeah, to someone live a, live a hard life. He, he was someone who used to build these towers out of rocks, but with his hands and then he would have them, um, torn right back down again, 
you know, so there was that, that sense of, uh, understanding the temporary, um, but also just his perseverance and his ability to stay on the path of learning. You know, he, it was like, it was like almost legendary, <laughs> you know, and he, and he came from where he had a rough upbringing. He wasn't like someone who, um, was born a prince and renounced everything. And it, it wasn't like that, you know, coming up in Western Tibet, um, and the area he was, was like right next to Nepal, but coming up, you know, his father had transitioned when he was seven and his relatives kind of abused him, you know, if, if you, if you will. And she trained or had, had Millerepa trained in what you and I would call the occult, you know, and that was to, she basically had him trained to be her weapon, you know, like her personal sorcerer. You know, and, um, he became very skilled at that and he was able to go forward and do a lot of damage to a lot of people. You know, so there's so much with, with the film. I don't want to give too much away. Of course, I want you to be able to enjoy it, but that's our film. We're going to check out. Of course, our new people, you know, 535 Eastern is when we press play on it and we get it moving from there. All right. So, um, be present for that. And as always, those interested in joining the community, anulifeglobal.org. And it's a join link there, you know, cause that people have been asking about that too. Like, I want to watch the movie with y'all. Yeah. But we do it inside of our group. So we're, we have like a, uh, um, it's a watch party, you know, where you can talk to each other and see each other at the same time. So, but that's because, you know, we're inside of the membership space. All right. So. With that, that is Millerepa, and we'll be on it. Now, let's get into concept. Okay. All right. Let's get into um, our actual teachings. And, um, you know, for this this session, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, we, we've been talking about the Ahab spirit. We've been talking about the Jezebel spirit, you know, this entire time. And though we've been able to identify different, um, maybe psychological or social issues that are a result of, um, one who may be oppressed or possessed by that energy. Now I want to take us into a more scriptural understanding, um, for those who could, you know, would like to use that support as well, you know, which is always very important because we're talking about characters that come out of scripture, right? You know, and, and one of the things that I wanted to touch upon is, First thing to understand is that with that particular energy is that there are certain, um, there, there are certain, uh, results of a person who is sort of, um, um, entwined or in the middle or even witnessing the relationship between Ahab and Jezebel. And one of the first things is that, especially as a child, that relationship sets the wrong patterns for children to follow. Okay, that that's the first thing to understand, you know, when you're because a lot of time it's a child that's viewing that sort of uh, relationship. And and there's a deception there where um, there's an improper family structure and that improper family structure is literally against a divine order. And that's that's how you, you probably would be best to to view it. You know, once you go against the divine order of the creator, then there's all sorts of sicknesses are going to come forth, right? So if you don't stop living that that pattern, right, of 
of that improper divine order, then what happens is that you, you create, you know, we like to use this term, even though we may not understand it all the time, but, um, you create a sort of pattern that exists throughout your generations. Now we'll call that a family curse, right? But it's not actually so much of a curse. I mean, it's a curse in the sense that it's something that you've generated, but, um, it's not something that someone imposed upon you. You know, you, you made the decision when you look at Malachi four and six, um, you read, he will turn, um, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So what that's saying is like, this is a time when things reverse, you know, we see that pretty much today where there's a, Again, a, a reverse on a disruption of the family structure where, you know, um, parents are serving children, you know, in, in that sense. And children are ordering parents what to do. That is a result of the Ahab Jezebel marital structure, that level of disrespect um, where you have a mother, a mother who's a Jezebel is going to raise Jezebel daughters and, Je- and Ahab sons. A father who's an Ahab will raise Ahab sons and Jezebel daughters, you know, and if a son does not see their father respected in the position and the authority of a father, they have no other example, you know, and to the contrary to follow. So and if there's no other example, they'll follow that example in the same instance. But young girls still choose a husband just like their father. So when you have that. Jezebel Ahab sort of relationship or, or marriage or, you know, however the two have gotten together, you'll have men who are not devoted and committed to the most high. You know, they're not devoted and committed to their home. They're not devoted or committed to their children. That's what comes along with that. Those men or those males, they, they pretend to be men. Right. And for the most part, as we become wiser and, you know, we kind of all move through life and we, we gain better discernment, you start to see that, man, you're, you're only fooling yourself. They're, they're only tricking themselves. And it's the same thing with um, females who are Jezebel females. They have this desire to take over the financial care and, and often the responsibility of the children. And they're equally deceived. You know, they have that. Well, I did it by myself. I I had to do this by myself as if they didn't make a unilateral decision for single womanhood or whatever the situation may be. And like I said, it creates these really sickened sort of patterns that children end up following and children spend the rest of their adult lives hunting and searching for normalcy, trying to live a normal life, but can't seem to grab hold of it. You know, um, you'll have in those situations where the husbands or the boyfriends, they're wrongly influenced by their wives. And, and these guys, these males, they'll just let their wives do their jobs. You do it for me. Um, you see that in, in, in the Jezebel Ahab story, which I'll touch on in a minute. But, um, the Ahab men or males are weak. They're, they're weak people. And someone who is spiritually weak is typically an evil person. A spiritually weak person will do evil. So Ahab males, sometimes you look at them, you, you, you're, you're only, you're thinking sometimes the Ahab is the victim and the Jezebel is the sorceress who's going out and proactively, you know, doing witchcraft and, and things like that. But no, the Ahab male is also evil because he's weak because the Ahab male is the first male that's going to turn away from their families. 
He's going to go out there and, and he wants women on the side. He's even going to hide money on the side. You know, he's going to be the one who's always in the bar, opening up the bar, closing the bar, you know, because he's seeking to achieve satisfaction in everything but his maker and his family. You see, and what he does is he constantly shifts blame to the other party, whereas, you know, that Jezebel female, that they end up being placed in the position as the head of the home. They become the high priest and the head of the home, which they're not equipped to handle. They can't even do it. But they have this Ahab male who's not committed to the home, who's not committed to the family. So she becomes the high priest. You see, and in that and because she's not equipped to do that, she's not a head. She's not a high priest because she's not equipped to do that. The family or even the spiritual um, community, even the nation of people now becomes susceptible to demonic attack because the head, the head priest that's supposed to be in place to keep everyone protected and safe is gone. And someone has been put there who can't handle that, that, um, that role. Right. So they become very vulnerable to attack in that sense. Um, you'll find just, you know, sometimes we look at, at the, the Ahab and Jezebel and may not sometimes realize how it's affecting, where it's affecting. Divorce is an Ahab and Jezebel result. Divorce, you know, um, that's something, of course, that has become, um, it's just, it's just become almost the standard. People get divorced. It's just what it is, right? You know, and I've had people say it to me like that before, but they don't realize just the very, the, the, the inevitable result of a, of an Ahab union is divorce, right? And of course that creates all sorts of, um, extra issues for the, for the, for the children in that sense, right? So, um, young people end up very confused. They end up very rebellious as a result of an Ahab Jezebel relationship. You know, they, like I said, they're constantly searching and, and looking for, um, normalcy. Why can't I just have this? Why can't I just live a normal sort of life and not recognizing it's because of what they came up? So they, they, they enter into society with all of these severe emotional problems, right? Um, you'll find that males, as a result of Jezebel and Ahab relationships are effeminate. They're, they're over emotional. They're spiritually weak. They're even physically weak as a result. And then females end up with this false sense of strength, of strength. The strong woman, you know, strong woman is out there and that strength 100% of the time it fails when put to the test. She's a strong woman, but put her under some pressure and watch what's going to happen. She becomes a girl. She starts crying and, and now who gets blamed? Her father, her children's father, uh, her husband, her boyfriend, whatever, her uncle, you know, so because she, she's, it's false. She's, you know, perpetuating something that she just isn't, you know, you'll also find as a result of that relationship is a sense of, um, or a lack rather of sexual restriction. There's no sexual discipline. There's no sexual morality. You know, that's when we start talking about things like body count. You know, we use those terms now, 
when we speak about sex and, you know, um, the amount of, of sex that young women have now, well, they never really grow to women, you know, having 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 partners, sexual partners, people that then ran up inside of them, you know, um, that is a result of Jezebel and an, and a Jezebel and an Ahab, um, up upbringing or influence. You know, another key thing is, um, felinism and, you know, that you'll find as a result of a Jezebel Ahab relationship. And fe- felinism is, is exactly almost how it sounds. It's considered to be cat worship, cat worship. And obviously, you know, and, and people who, 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 it, follow that system they're called feelist you know but the reality is the cat worship or the the felinism is that that idea that we have we see it in so many different um media representations like again uh, the flintstones the honeymooners you know well the, the the flintstones were based off of the honeymooners um shoot even jetsons i'm just using old cartoons for a reason um then we could go up to the simpsons um, I mean, we could go to the Cosby show. We could go to, uh, what was the other one? The parenthood, right? Um, we can go to family matters. I mean, I could just keep going and going and going and going. Um, King of Queens. And essentially it's that concept that you have this goofy, ever bungling father and you have this clever, savvy mother. You see, so the father is like this big, doofy, goofy dog just running around, knocking things over all the time. And the mother is slick and wise and clever. That's felinism. That's the science of that. That comes from a Jezebel and Ahab sort of um, influence and mind mindset. And again, what happens with those children? Well, they become uh, very tense people. Um, they become very hurtful people, assaulting people. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of disgust and hate. This leads to suicide, you know, because they're constantly trying to find their place and they frequently give in to certain spirits that drive them to, to, to want praise, that drive them to want fame, that drive them to want power, you know, to, to, to drive them to even want money. Because it's, it's that, um, that weakness. They have this fear. They have this insecurity, um, that sort of, sort of drives them in, in that sense. And it's, it's a frustration. Oftentimes you'll find also there's a difficulty in learning. You know, there's a difficulty in learning with, with children who are a product of, of the Ahab and Jezebel sort of dynamic because, um, there's all this doubt. There's an inability to, to, uh, achieve, uh, um, they become hypochondriacs as well, you know, um, and they tend to dive headfirst into the occult. They have this fascination, um, for the, for the, for the occult, you know, if you will, if you look at, uh, first Kings 21 and 20, um, and they have said to Elijah, hast thou found me O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the most high. Right? So I yeah, I spot you. I know exactly where Ahab is because I see how you've you've sold yourself, you've prostituted yourself for evil, you know, against the most high. So Ahab fathers in that sense 
place the curse on their male children. You see, and that if we want to use that term, um, curse Jezebel mothers, you know, um, will curse the female children. Now, of course, they're both cursing both, but you know, just to, to give a different sort of, of illustration, if you will, um, your male children in an Ahab Jezebel relationship tend to become homosexual. The female children tend to become lesbian. And of course, sometimes a lot of times with females, we're real tricky with the lesbian thing, because if you have a daughter who's had a couple of girlfriends or who's experimented, we don't call her a lesbian. Oh, she's experimented and she's messed around with some girls, but now she's married and has children. And we say she's not a lesbian. But if your son says he experimented and messed around with some guys and he catched, you know, he took it. He was a guy taking it. But now he's married with children. We don't say to say we we really no. That's you're a homosexual, you know. So children will of of those sort of um, relationships will often have broken marriages and broken families, just like their parents. You know, the Jezebel mothers they and they they cause their children to be very manipulative. This is where you get a lot of the manipulative, spoiled, sneaky children because the children are just full of rebellion. And the reality is a Jezebel mother puts the children under pressure to prove their love to their parents. You see, and that cycle continues. So now the children, they become open to demonic or satanic attack and they'll become just like their parents. You know, they'll become just like their parents. They haven't, they, they, there's a seeking for love, but a misunderstanding of what love is. And, um, as a result, there's a there's a tendency for certain powers to seduce that person. You know, it's not charisma, people. It's but it's seduction. It's it creates bondage. You know, um, the 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 idea of even seeing a mother or a father who is constantly trying to dominate their married children's lives, or uh, you have certain males or females who. They, they refuse to learn the science of delegation, you know, being able to delegate authority, but they have to be on top of every detail. You see, that's a, that's a result of that sort of, uh, relationship, you know, or you'll have males or females who seek to force a religious experience. You know, they don't know how to win someone over through joyful submission to the most high. They don't know how to win some over by their quiet nature. Or win some, someone over by fulfilling their role as the most high has established it. No, they force it because they have to control everything. They'll even give ultimations, all the ultimatums, excuse me. You come to church or I'm leaving. You do this or this. You come talk to my pastor or, you know, um, <laughs> that's a sign of a Jezebel Ahab result, you know, the, the, the end product of that relationship. And, you know, like I said, a lot of it is on the man. You know, I focus on the man, the Ahab, even though, you know, we, we, again, we put a lot of focus on Jezebel and we should, it's, it's warranted. It's, it's definitely warranted. So I'm not seeking to take anything necessarily away from that, but keep in mind where this began, this, you know, to some degree began this Jezebel story. When we look at Ahab and we again look at scripture, um, 
you can look at, and I'm going to, I'm going to go through. I wrote a few scriptures down before I began because I figured, like I said, I'd make this the one where you could just to be the Bible talk <laughs> in a, in a will and in, in, in a way. Um, but you gotta, you gotta look at Ahab's father. You know, recently we were talking about something inside of our new, and one of the sisters said that, well, how did, how did Ahab kind of, you know, why did he accept that? How did he end up like that? Well, you remember I talked about the patterns that continue, right? The patterns of everything. We call those family curses. Well, y'all, I don't call them that, but people call them family curses, right? You have Ahab's father was Omri. His name was Omri, right? Now, Omri worshiped demons, <laughs> right? He was a demon worshiper. Now we call that idol, idol worshiper, but it's same thing. And if you read the scriptures, you read first Kings 16 and 25, it tells you, um, well, 1625, 1628, 1630. It tells you that Omri, he was worse than every king that came before him. And he set a pattern going forward. Um, because when you read 1625, it says Omri did evil in the eyes of the most high and sinned more than all before him. Right. And so that that evil or that wickedness was that it said that he walked in the ways of um, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat and um, or Nebet in his sins, which he caused Israel to commit, provoking the most high Yah to to be angry with the worthless idols. So he caused Israel to to digress back into demon worship. This was Ahab's father. So now when Ahab marries Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, the, the king of the Zidonians, you remember who, and they all, they're all worshiping Baal, Baal is right in their name. Ahab is now serving and worshiping Baal as well. Cause, well, I got it from my daddy. So Ahab was spiritually influenced by Jezebel and Baal was the male counterpart, whereas Asherah was the female counterpart. You can find that in, um, Kings 16, uh, well, first Kings, excuse me. You can find that in first Kings 1631, you know, where it gets into, um, it gets into who was who, you know, uh, where it says, um, uh, Ahab, no, I'm sorry. Say he not only considered it nothing that he committed the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebuchadnezzar, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of Sidonia, and began to serve and, and to serve Baal and worship him. So, um, it speaks about, you know, some of that transgression. And then Ahab, of course, told Elijah. Now this, this is the other, other key, right? He's always shifting blame. He's always shifting blame. He says, Ahab says to, to Elijah, he said to Elijah, he said, you are the one who troubled Israel. You did this. You see, he was not, I'm not taking responsibility, not acknowledging my father, Omri, did this. My father was the one who who really first set things out of whack. <laughs> you know, if there was anybody to be to be blamed for the beginning of of where things started to go left, you know, because my father was evil than all those who came before him. You see. So like when you read it, that's when when Elijah was near his people. And he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? He said, if the most high Yah follows him. But if Baal, then follow him. 
you know, well, no, he said, I'm sorry, if, if Yah is the most high, then follow him. But if Baal is, then follow him. And the people, they sat there quiet, they didn't say anything. You see, and that was the whole science of, you know, when you read like nobody, no one can serve two masters, right? That's what Elijah was saying. Like, what side are you on here? You see, um, but that wasn't staring up the problem. <laughs> you know, Omri had already set things into motion, you know. So um, we talk about the Yizabal stepping into the place of where the man should be because an Ahab man is always going to offload his responsibilities to his woman. That's something that he just loves to do. You've heard me talk about that before. The guy who you're in bed and um, there's a sound downstairs and he's telling you to go check it out or, you know, it's time to take the car to the mechanics. And instead of him taking, it, he's like, well, I, I got to work. Can you go over there? Or there's things to be taught to your children. And he's saying, well, he don't know. I didn't study that. I don't know about that. But why don't you look it up and you teach it? You know, he's um always passing off his responsibility. Now, you see that in the Ahab-Jezebel relationship, but in that story, when um Ahab told Jezebel about Elijah killing the prophets of Baal, Jezebel was the one who stepped to Elijah and said, I'm going to kill you. You see, I'm now you think about that. Why didn't Ahab say Yo, um, these are prophets. You know, this is a God that I worship. Now I'm, I'm on this team. I'm going to handle you. You see, but he didn't do that. So Jezebel, when you read, um, that's first Kings 19 and one, where it says Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to, because remember, she always has people who would do her bidding for her. Jezebel sends a, sends a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me and ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make sure your life like the lives of those or your life ends like the life of those you killed. But why did Jezebel send the message? You see? So the Ahab spirit is always going to send the, his woman to go do his work for him. And this goes back. I mean, we, we, I, I'm going to, hit you or give you some scriptures that you can look at, but this goes back to Adam and Eve, you know, um, or Adoma and Chawa. But so when you look at, um, the disobedience, it wasn't just that Ahab worshiped Baal. It, it was deeper than that, you know, cause some could just reduce it to that. And I'm not saying that that's not a big deal. That is, you know, um, demon worship, you know, it's it's nothing to um you know just kind of brush brush aside or brush over, but he was disobedient to the Most High. He didn't follow even the prophecies of Elijah, you know. And then he was greedy. Remember when he grieved over not getting Naboth's vineyard, and Ahab again let Usable do his dirty work for him by stealing stealing the vineyard. He didn't even. Mind that, you know, hearing about Naboth, Naboth's death, no big deal. You see, so always letting you'll find with the Ahab Yezebel relationship, she's always stepping in. She's usurping his role, but he's always fine with letting her do his work for him. And of course, the children are affected by that. You know, um, you read that in first Kings, uh, 21, 21, and you, you, you see how the children, 
are affected by the behavior of a, of an Ahab spirit. You know, and that's something that I wanted to focus on in this this session as well, like just the effect, the the repercussive effects, you know, that you also see with the children. But when you look at um 21 and 21, it's, he says, yeah, I'm going to bring disaster to you. I'm going to wipe out your descendants and cut from Ahab every last male in Israel, whether they're a slave or whether they're free. You see, that was because of the work of Ahab. So Ahab, even in that, he was dominated by his wife to do evil. And even though the Most High forgave him, but he forgave him once he humbled himself. You got that in in First Kings twenty one twenty five, um, where he's like, there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Most High, urged on or like really more so encouraged on by um his wife Jezebel. And it says, but and then the Most High says, did you notice how Ahab humbled himself in front of me? And he's like, you know what? I won't bring disaster to him in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. So you're going to have to pay for this, this karma. It's, it's coming. Um, and you find that even like Ahab, some son, Isaiah, Isaiah, he also, um, served, um, Beelzebub, who was the, uh, Elohim of, of Eberron, right? And, um, Joram. But Joram, he didn't do like his parents. That was his other son. Um, you learn about Joram in Second Kings three and one. Um, and then you have Joram who married the daughter of Ahab, but he also did evil as well. Right. So, um, and we still haven't gotten into the breaking down of the, the story. I'm going to get into that. Don't worry. But I wanted to get into just some of the characteristics and some of the results, you know, um, with that Ahab characteristic. It opens up the gates for attack on the nation, opens up the gates for attack on the home, for demon worship. And there's never really any true empathy or opposition towards murder. Never tr- any true empathy or opposition, opposition, excuse me, towards greed or anything else. Um, once something has entered into the mind of an Ahab, um, male, you know, oh, I'm sorry for that loud <laughs> notification. I should have myself closed, but, um, He'll accept any sort of acts of depriety because he's lost his manhood. He's lost his fatherhood. He's, he's empty, you know? Um, and then there's a whole science of what happens, um, with the, with the Jezebel energy going forward, you know? So, like I said, if you look at some of the, the, the scriptural energy, um, we can look at when we see our examples and I'm going to go through these with you. Um, when we look at our, um, just our, our, our Jezebel examples, we're saying, or Jezebel and, and Ahab examples. But the reason I wanted to do this is because I don't want you to think that this all began, um, with this story or even, like I said, me sharing information about Omri. So this, this is something that started early on. If we look at the third chapter of Genesis, right? When we look at the third chapter of Genesis, we already see um, that spirit at work, if you will. You know what what we eventually came to know as the um, or came to call the uh, Jezebel spirit. But the third chapter of spirit, we talk about the fall. Right. 
and we see Eve's behavior. And uh, you can go and the numbers all mean something, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the numerology breakdown later, but Genesis three and three, right? What happens in three and three right there in that moment? Um, Eve is having a conversation with, um, Inky or, or rather the, the, the serpent, we'll just say the serpent and Hawa or Hawa is adding words to what the most high said. Right there in that third chapter. Um, and then Eve persuades, if we look at, uh, three and six, Eve persuades, um, Adoma to eat of this fruit. When she says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, I want this wisdom. And this, this, this is appealing to my eyes. She took up the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her, her husband with her and he did eat, right? So we see our first examples right there at the rip, right? But it, it gets better, <laughs> right? It gets better, you know, and again, this is for those who are, you know, interested in, in understanding, um, where this energy starts to appear. We look at Genesis 16th chapter. That's the story of Sarah, right? Sarah and Hagar, great story. Um, you know, now she was comedic, right? Or, or, um, Hagar was Egyptian, or, you know, but, and we see immediately the Jezebel spirit is, is present, you know, just by the acts. So in, with Eve, we see the spirit of Jezebel and Sarah, we see, or in Sarah, we see the acts of Jezebel. So when we go to 16, five and Sarah said unto Abraham, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid to into thy bosom. And when she saw that, um, she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, the Lord or the most high judge between me and thee. So now the strife, <laughs> because she, be, she, because she became, behaved like a Jezebel. She even laughed at what she was told when the most high was like, yo, I'm going to make this happen. She laughed. So now this contention and this strife because you wanted to do what you wanted to do, right? Um, and it, there's so much more to that story. I'm, I'm going to keep it kind of, kind of light, but I just want to, uh, brush through a few scriptures really quickly. And we look, when we look at the story, which is, I think another great Jezebel sort of story. Um, and it's the mocking of, um, Isaac and, and Ishmael. You look at Genesis 21 and nine, right? Um, you're looking at Genesis 21 and nine and, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the comedic and which she had born unto Abraham mocking, you see. And, um, and she said, cast that woman out, woman out for the son of this bond woman should not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. So now causing this level of contention among, among the nations, right? These, this is all acts of Jezebel. And all of this is before you even get to. The story, the understanding of Jezebel. We go to, um, Rebecca, Genesis 25, 23. And the most high said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elders, the elders shall serve the younger. Right. So it, even in that, you have now Yaqub is, is about to rule over Esau or Jacob is going to rule over over Esau. And then when you move over to 2529, that's when um Yaqub or Jacob 
who has the Jezebel spirit in him. He's a Jezebel. Jacob, Yakub was a Jezebel. Um, connives to get the birthright of his brother. And what's the result of that? Now the children are confused. You've created confusion because of that, right? But that's not the only time that happens, right? For those of you who read, you, you, you know some of the story. You know what happens. So when you go all up to the um 21st verse, I mean, I'm sorry, the 27th chapter. Now you have Rebecca and Yaqub or Rebecca and Jacob and Jacob. They're now convite, conniving again for what? To get another blessing. You see? So, so as a result, when you get to that 41st verse, right? Um, Esau hated Yaqub because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Yaqub. So murder always comes as a result. You see? You see, there's always murder. And then what happens in the 46th verse at the end? And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Het. If Yaqub take a wife of the daughters of Het, such as the, these, which are the daughters of the land, which what good shall my life do me? Now you're afraid because fear is, is always a part of that reality begin to create with that sort of spirit. And again, I reiterate all of this is before <laughs> the stories in Kings that you're reading about um, Jezebel. Um, and then it's not just we could even look in. Um, we can look in Chronicles. As well, you know, Chronicles also has um, some understanding or some some breakdowns of, again, the, the emergence, we'll say, of uh, of that Jezebel spirit where there's reports of contention, this strife, this tearing down of um, of families, if you will. When you look at um, really important, I would say, to this understanding, again, of the results of what happens when Jezebel links up with 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 Ahab look at uh Isaiah third chapter 12 verse as for my people whew, this is so deep as for my people children are their oppressors and women rule over them oh my people they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. You see, that's now. What is that? So that so you're speaking about something that is a corruption. That's something. Something's wrong here. This is not a normal way um, that things are supposed to be. And keep in mind that at this time, what what when it was spoken about the women ruling over there, it, it was talking about concubines. Okay, and and so there was what we call that the harem. The harem was influenced. You have this, and I've I've shared this before with the Ottoman Empire when that happened among the Ottomans, and the women of the harem were actually controlling the the society, which of course led to the fall of the Ottoman Empire because the society was led by the women and the eunuchs. Well, <laughs> where are we today? You know, what is, what is a eunuch? You know, a castrated male. And society is read, is led by who and what? Females. Not even wives, concubines. And castrated males. Whether that you look at that as transgendered or males who are 
dissexual, however you, you want to see that, or Ahab males, but nonetheless, they're castrated. So it's that concept of children and women are ruling over you. That's a curse. That's not a normality. You see, and that's just a beginning. I mean, you, you if you look at some of the other scriptures in Kings for Ahab energy, um, first King, second King, second Chronicle, um, we can look at even, um, Jeremiah or Jeremiah, Jeremiah, uh, 29 and I would say 29 and 21, right? So when you look at that, thus saith the most high of hosts, the Yah of Yeshrael, of Ahab, the son of Koloa, and Zedekiah, the son of Masiah, which prophesy a lie unto you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. And then, of course, we have um, Micah 6.16. Micah 6.16 is, is deep because it brings back to... Um, it brings us back to this concept of Ahab. For the statues of Omri are kept, and all the works of the house of Ahab, and you walk in their counsels, that I should make thee a desolation, and the inhabitants therefore a hissing. Therefore you shall bear the reproach of my people. That's so heavy. Because you're following in the ways of Ahab. You see? So it's like such a, it's such a, it's the, the concept of Ahab and his father Omri. It's, it's so saturated with so much infamy. Like, it's like, this is not something we, we, I'm even going to play with, with you. Like I'm going to completely destroy you as a result of just a following. So you think about if you had a father who was an Ahab and you're taking on, um, the, you know, you're, you're, you're tolerating or taking on the mindset of that Ahab. What that means again takes you back to Revelations 2 and 20. The numbers always mean something. Notwithstanding, I have few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I was having a conversation with a sister earlier today. We were talking about eating things. And I said, you know, fried foods were primarily primarily what were put on altars. You know, fried food, they would be fried in their own fat. And we know there's nothing good. There's nothing that comes from eating fried food. Like nothing good comes from us eating fried food. So why is it such a thing? And, you know, you start to realize like, yeah, that same spirit is still very much present in the things that you know, we want to do in, in, in that sense, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, of course I went over time again <laughs> and, I, and I'm leaving again so much out because there, there are so many different ways that you can identify these two spirits, man. When you have that, you'll have, uh, you'll have a guy who's always overloading his wife. Always. She's always complaining about how tired she is. Of course she'll be, she may be demanding, she may be um sharp tempered she may there may be a lot of belittling even and a lot of bickering and and um she may there may be a lot of insuit you know um um uh arrogance if you will insecurities but uh a lot of times you'll see him he's jobless he's impotent 
He's always abdicating his role of leadership off to her. Um, this drunkenness, he's emasculated. He's got that spirit of, of rejection on him all the time. Um, he's always leaving spiritual things or the things that pertain to the most high. He leaves them to his wife. That's the guy who's always dropping his family off to church. <laughs> he leaves it to the wife to figure it out. You know, um, there's usually a lot of pornography in his life. You know, there's a lot of pride. He's emotionally a, a crippled. Um, and you know, when you're looking at her, a lot of times there's a lot of conniving energy, like, like we, we pointed out. There's frustration. She's very sharp tongued. She's always sleepy all the time. Um, she's a bit lazy. She's lawless. She does a lot of nagging, a lot of finger pointing. She could be very frigid and unemotional. He tends to be very sluggish. He uses a lot of macho energy to, you know, um, to cover up how manipulating he really truly is. Um, he's got no sort of order in his life, no sort of peace. He's constantly displeased. There's no spirit of unity. He's always afraid to get hurt. He's got a lot of resentment. He's got all this lust as it pertains to, to material things. His love is very conditional. His behavior is childish. Um, he's divorce and separation is always a part of his life. Sibling rival rivalry is always a part of his life. You know, um, with her, she's always double minded. She's perverse. She's all about her vanity. Um, she, she pours all of her hopelessness inside of witchcraft and, and hypnotic control over other people. She's disjointed. I mean, we, it's, like I said, we could go on. There's so many different directions that I could um take you down. Maybe not the most pleasant directions, I suppose, um, with this this line of, of teaching uh where I'm trying to uh keep it light. I don't went so far over my time at this point. <laughs> um but you see now why because you know, people have expressed, you know, uh, appreciation, you know, for for these series, but you see why I had to break it up so much right um there's so much and and like i said we just touching on you know some of the effects of the children you see some of the effects of the other that 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 goes on with the children you know you think about when you read jeremiah 3 3 numbers always mean something right when it speaks about now that the, the spring rains have fallen you know uh, or no i'm sorry have failed the the rain for spring didn't come you know, because you're walking around with that brazen look of a prostitute and you refuse to blush in shame. Right. We see a lot of that now with our children, like or young people, not my children, but with young people, there's no shame. And shame has become a dirty word, you know, and as a result, when you read Jeremiah, it's telling you the very earth has is 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 refusing to do what it would normally do. Because you are so out of line. <laughs> you are so out of line. You have a harlot's, I mean, the scripture says you have a harlot's forehead. The gentle showers have been withheld and there's no spring rain because you have the forehead of a whore and you are unwilling. See, that shame meaning, meaning that you're unwilling to be reproved. That's what it means. You won't, when it says that you will not blush or thou wilt not blush. You know, you have a harlot's forehead and you thou wouldst not blush. 
you know, it's speaking about that concept of like, you know, when someone is pulling your coattail and saying, hey, you know, um, that's not what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to do that. You, you, you're like, man, I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me, you know, don't tell me nothing. <laughs> you know, you can't tell me nothing. You know, that's what that's talking about. You have no shame. And keep in mind that the, the, the word showers in our Hebrew is, is rabibim. And rabibim is a masculine word. It means to, to shower abundantly. So the, 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 the showers or the rain coming down is that concept of that, that, that masculine energy or that masculine wisdom being brought into a, into a space, but it's been withheld because of your brazen look. You know, the brazen look is that, you know, that, that forehead and, and, you know, the way you carry yourself like a, a, a process, even though it says Isha, you have the brazen look of, of, of Isha and Isha would typically be uh, a wife, you know, but so you, you're running around here looking like you're somebody's wife, looking like, and when we say prostitute or looking like wife, it's saying like, like there's a certain way that you carry yourself. You know, it's like the false prophetess, right? So an example, in society, we have a lot of women who will say, they'll talk about their family, but they they don't have a family, never had a family. They just have children, right? And they call that family. They can't stand men. They hate men. They can't stand masculine authority. They surround themselves with homosexuals, transgendered people, and um, just effeminate males. And that's and and the most masculine energy they get is are from masculine females, and, was, and you know so you're pretending to be a woman, you're pretending to be a wife. But if that was the case, then when you're doing something that's out of pocket, you should be able to be checked and reproved. But you refuse shame. Shame is 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 a hikalim, hikalim. You know you refuse to be reproved. In that sense, right? Again, these are not normal conditions. So, and I know many of us may hear this and say, well, that's, that's life. <laughs> like, that's how it is today. Yeah, you're right. That, that is exactly how it is today. But it just shows you, um, how much of a curse that we're currently living on. When you read, uh, Jeremiah 5 3, where it says, almost high are not thine eyes upon the truth. Thou hast stricken them. Like, do you, you know, like even the most high is like, man, you know, saying to the most high, you've not seen like you're, you've been so hard on these people that they, their faces have become hard as rock and they have refused to return to you. Zechariah seven, but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped the ears that they should not hear. You know, like when you shrug your shoulder away, you know, like you're pulling away from somebody. That's what it's talking about. You know, these are just individuals that refuse to accept any iota of correction. And we know, I know among men, we talk about it, you know, just the level of unaccountability that, you know, you deal with, with Jezebel females today. You can't tell them not, you can't correct that. You can't say anything. They do something wrong and that's male or female. And it's just like, oh, no, I ain't do it. You did it. <laughs> you know, like, they'll just say something completely non nonsensical in that sense, you know, because there's no way on earth that I am going to accept um, accountability. No way on earth. You know, and like I said, there's a pattern, unfortunately, um, that we set 
that children end up following and it, it takes a lifetime of, you know, or sometimes four, five, six generations before they're able to come out of that, that, that way of thinking, you know, that curse it. And that way of thinking is the actual curse. The curse is not somebody, you know, killed the chicken or lit some candles against you and your family or, or put an evil eye on your family. That's not the curse. The curse is that you have a patterned way of thinking. And that patterned way of thinking brings nothing about but characteristics of destruction because you become a, a lying spirit. You refuse to believe the most high and to trust in what's being said. So therefore you begat rebellious children. And the woman, you, you, you run from the role of a woman and your attempts to upstage the king, your husband. You seek to belittle him. You, you connive behind his back. You even plot murder. This is all the Jezebel energy. How many, how many females have gotten, have aborted men's babies, connived, have plotted murder behind that man's back? That's Jezebel energy. You went and sacrificed your child to Molech. You see, and a lot of times the motive for a lot of this rebellion is because she wants to be worshipped. She wants to be admired. You read a lot of the women's magazines. Does your man worship you when you're when you're making love to him? Does he feel like does it feel like he's worshiping your body? Why do I got to worship you? See, that's sorcery. So even a lot of times the Jezebel male or the Jezebel female, when they ask you certain questions, those questions are only aimed at causing another person to doubt their self-worth and, and to, and to doubt their surety because they're always seeking to undermine your decisions, undermine your ability. You see, there's a reason she ended up getting thrown out of a window and ran over by chariots and eaten by dogs. There's a reason, <laughs> you know, she, she is constantly antagonizing to everyone who was around her. Right. And again, male, male or female, whether you're looking at Sarah, whether you're looking at Rebecca, whether you're looking at Yaqub, whether you're looking at Isaac and Ishmael. And and again, the, the results that the children had to had to undergo because of the mind control of the parents, you know, and like I said, many of the of the of the Jezebelic people, they're they're charismatic witches. There's some who are vicious and, and unprincipled and whatnot, but most, for the most part, they're charismatic witches. You know, that's, that's how they, that's how they move around. And they are a prime example of, of controlling other people. You know, they seek to control their family. They, they seek to control their coworkers. And you only break that curse, you know, um, through this, through, through learning how to not submit your will to others. You know, once you start to submit your will to others or you you um, you submit your, your will to charismatic witchcraft, charismatic control well, the gods want you to do this. The Orisha wants you to do this. Your ancestors want you to do it. You got to do this. I've seen people go to bed with other people, lay with other people behind that. Charismatic witchcraft. Some of your pastors are charismatic witches. You see. So therefore, there's never any true deliverance from any of these issues. And I'm going to get into, um, you know, solutions more so. But I really wanted to help you to identify what's actually going on 
So when you see that Ahab passivity or, or Jezebel seeking to destroy family priesthood and establish a lukewarmness among the males, they become very waifish, you know, um, or when you see Jezebels that want, want to be in control of the spiritual union in control of the, if, if you're a person that goes to church or whatever, you know, or goes to the mosque, you'll, you'll find they always want to be in control of these different ministries. And, um, there's a certain type of crooks <laughs> and criminal minded people who tend to attract the Jezebel, you know, um, and you're, you're making a movement from Eve to Jezebel. From, like I said, Genesis 3, from Eve adding to the words. Genesis 16, here's a substitute wife. Let me help God out. God said you're going to have a baby, or I'm going to have a baby, but let me help him out because he don't know what he's doing. Or Genesis 18, let me let me laugh at y'all. Y'all promised me a child. I don't believe it, so I'm going to laugh. Or how about we could go to Lot's wife disobeying and became a pillar of salt because she wanted to be curious and look back. That's Genesis 19. Or, you know, Genesis 21, you know, mocking the competition for her son. So she's jealous now. She's overprotective of her male child. This is with Hagar, you know, with Sarah and Hagar. You're overprotective. See, that overprotection of the male child is another Jezebel trait. Won't let him stand on his own. There's supposed to be competition among brothers. It's okay. You see, and I could I could go on and on and on a lying to Isaac. You know, deceiving your husband, you know, um, giving your maid to your husband, um, where you're trying to keep your husband's affections in competition while, while this competition, Leah giving her maid to her husband, being in competition with her sister. All Jezebel energy. Bathsheba is exposing herself. You know, when Jezebel threatened, um, Elijah, you get Jezebels who threaten pastors all the time. I've been threatened. I'm going to do, I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, do what you feel like doing. I know, I know what your end is. I ain't worried about, about me. I know how you end up. I read the story, the dogs, the chariots. And all. Go ahead. Play, play the Jezebel. You see, you re even read the book of, of Ruth. I know the women like to, like to speak about Ruth. Um, but you read the book of, of, of Ruth, you look at the first chapter of Ruth. I mean, again, I'm not trying to, this, I'm, I'm stretching this out so much now at this point. Like I said, there's so many different directions that, that can be, um, taken because there's just so much information when it comes to the, to this, this, uh, this story. But you, when you, or this spirit, it's so prevalent. But you look up Ruth 114 and they lifted up their voice and wept again in Oprah kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth clave unto her and said behold behold thy sister-in-law is gone and back unto her people and unto her gods return thy after thy sister-in-law see there's always this clinging to the gods I want to stay with my gods so even though I come into this new space I'm still bringing my gods with me that clinging you see there's so much, there's so much to it, you know, but that proud Yezebel is always eaten by dogs. <laughs> That's going to be the end. You're, you're going to get eaten by dogs at the end. Stay proud if you want, you know, that or that desire of women to rule. Right. And that, that's nothing but an, the, but an inferiority complex. 
Because what about all of the greatness, greatness that you have as a woman? Why do you feel that you, you look at what I do and say, I should be able to do that? Why are you looking at me? What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with what I'm doing and feel that you should be able to do that? You see that in Numbers 12 and 1 with Miriam and Aaron. Aaron. What is it? And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, hath the, hath the most high indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the most high heard it. Like, how are you going to go marry that Hamitic woman? That African, she bringing all that, that exotic Africanness, <laughs> Hamitics up in here. And now I feel insecure. This is her, his sister, not even his wife. His sister felt insecure. She starts to cause confusion. And the most high was like, yeah, that, that's, that's when we get into the leprosy story. Most high, most high didn't, didn't like that. Like, what? mind your business. <laughs> you know, mind your business. You see? And, you know, we were speaking recently about, um, even the vows. You see, this is all Jezebel and Ruth stuff. You gotta, you gotta understand that the, the dangers of intertwining yourself with a Jezebel. You know, when you read Numbers 30 and 2, if a man vow a vow unto the Most High or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond and he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceedeth out his mouth. But then we go to the next verse. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Most High and bind herself by a bond being in her father's house in her youth and her father hear her vow and her bond where she hath bond her soul and her father shall hold his peace as Ahab at her then all her vow shall stand and every bond where she, she hath bond her soul shall stand but if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth, not any of her vows, strong man standing up, or of her bonds wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand, and the Most High shall forgive her, because her father disallowed it. Here we go. And if she had at all a husband, when she vowed or uttered out of her lips, Wherewith she bound her soul and a husband heard it and held his peace at her in that day that he heard it, Ahab, then her vow shall stand and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. But if her husband disallowed her on the day, disallowed, you mean control me, not let me, I'm not a child. Okay. Her on that day that he heard it. Then he shall make her vow which she vowed, and that notice. Then he shall make her vow which she vowed, and that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bounded her soul, of none effect. And the Most High will forgive her. See, if a man, if a, if your woman is running wild. Out here making these wild vows, making these wild statements, talking crazy, and you allow it, you you become the cuckold. You allow it, 
then now she is bound to that, but so are you. But if you disallow it, see, no, you can't do that. And if anybody's willing with a cuckold, a cuckold is, is a guy who, um, who usually unwittingly um, has a child with a woman or thinks he has a child with a woman who's not actually his. You know, like, Maury, you're not the father type thing. That's technically what a cuckold is, a man whose wife is unfaithful. And sometimes you have cuckolds who are intentional. They like to see their wives sleep with other men and stuff like that, right? So if you have a guy who's who's like that and she's making a vow with another man, she's laying with another man and you're aware of it. You now become bound by the vow that she made. You see, you become bound by it. That's why I did the video that time. Her word is your bond. You see, but if you stand tall and you say, "Uh, uh-uh, no, can't do that. Then the most high will forgive because you're now standing in your role as a man. You're not being an Ahab. All right, so we went way over, so I'm not going to do certain things. Like, I'm not going to do the uh, Q&A and stuff like that. Um, And I still left a lot out. (laughs) All right, so on to the next part. I'll take a break. I'll be right back. All right. All right, cool. So we all know that reading is fundamental, of course. And um, so let's get into the book that I want to share for this segment so we're going to look at um emotional intelligence 2.0 it's the name of the book all right and um it's a book that you know some of you may be familiar with one that was out previously just it just had the title emotional intelligence intelligence and it's been several um emotional intelligence books um that have come out over the years but this one i i i like because it's geared towards um Communication primarily and learning how, um, to say the same thing with your body that you're saying with your mouth and making sure that your core values line up and, um, you know, just kind of being in, in a place with, I mean, that's just one example where you're able to communicate with your community members, with leaders around you, with workers around you, making sure that you balance the logic that's inside with the emotions that's outside. You know, that's important. And, um, you know, it's really something I wanted to stress, you know, when we speak about the build and destroy aspect and being able to balance building and destroying is such an important balancing act that we're covering on this 89th episode, season two of the Chief Yuya podcast. Learning to be emotionally intelligent means learning self-awareness, learning self-management learning self understanding of your emotional body and really um accepting that there are skills involved in connecting to other people you know it doesn't necessarily um just come natural to people you know so much but learning to manage yourself and and control yourself to degree it means that you got to find that balance between your rational side and your emotional side you have to be able to find the balance between your ration and your emotion all right so we're going to look at emotional intelligence 2.0 it's written by travis bradbury and um gene greaves gene greaves travis brad bradbury excuse me and gene greaves and um 
the title of it is Emotional Intelligence 2.0. All right. So I know you're going to definitely enjoy this one, man. You're going to get a lot out of it. All right. That has been our segment, 89th episode, season two of Chief Yeah Podcast. And of course, this was the Jezebel and Ahab series, part six. All right. So I will that you and you, I don't maybe you enjoyed it. <laughs> if you didn't enjoy it, uh, even if it wasn't enjoyable, willfully, it was informative and you have some more tools in your arsenal moving down this red road. <laughs> yes, that's the, that's the music for the song Red Road I did. But uh, anyway, so I wanted to just uh, remind everyone again, all books are available on Amazon.com for consultations. Ask Osiris.com. All these links are always in the description of either the blog post that accompanies these podcasts. Even if you look in, um, whether you're looking at uh, I not iTunes. Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or, or even Spotify, you'll see the, this information in the um, description. But uh, yeah, for coaching, OsirisLife.com, sign up for the ministry that I oversee and um, share these things and more where we have established community. I had a great talk with someone today about community and defining that and you know, um, we spoke about how community, what well, the example I gave was that community is like a building everyone builds together but lives in. So it's not a part-time thing. It's not an extracurricular thing. It's a full-time thing, you know, because it's where you come home. It's where you find peace. It's where you find solace. But knowing that you are responsible for maintaining it, but you have also were responsible for building it, you know. So um, our new life is a is a... It's a community. It's, it's not just a group. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a book study group or, you know, a religious experience or a study, a study, um, collective or anything like that. But rather it's a, it's a physical, spiritual, emotional and mental, uh, community and stronghold that, uh, I have established a framework for, for you to come inside and find shelter. All right. So if you'd like to be a part of that experience, make sure you go to anulifeglobal.org. Speaking of which, we will be having our summer retreat. We have we have retreats four times a, a year for every season. And our summer retreat will be August 24th through August 28th in New Orleans. All right. August 24th to August 28th. You go to anulifeglobal.org again and you can register for the retreats. All right. August 24th through August 28th. All right. So that is the deal with all of that good stuff for classes. Always SaduluHouse.com. S-A-D-U-L-U-H-O-U-S-E.com. And again, all of these links you'll find inside of the, the description. If you didn't catch it from, from, you know, from what I'm saying yet. So, um, again, Jezebel part six podcast episode 89. Podcast episode 89, season two. We're out here building the strongholds of righteousness and destroying the strongholds of, of wickedness. All right. So continue to ride. All right. This is Chief Yuya signing out. Peace. <laughs>